0: Greetings from the Bridge House. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 28, verses 30 and 31. Reading from the Revised Standard Version. Acts 28, verses 30 and 31. Speaking of Paul. And he lived there two whole years at his own expense. And welcomed all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ quite openly and unhindered. And from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verse 33, speaking of Jesus. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. This is God's word, amen.
1: Good morning. For this first Mission Sunday, we have, we're privileged to have Dr. Rick Sacra with us who has been serving at Eternal Love Winning Africa Hospital, right? Sometimes we just hear Elwa, Elwa, Elwa. That's what it means, and that's a great message. And his wife also works with the Elwa radio program, and um, they moved there in 1995 and recently have moved back to to assist the mission from abroad and making trips back and forth. So thank you so much for coming, Rick. Got to see if my clicker's working, you know. Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, good morning. You'll see that I'm here by myself and that I'm I've been wearing a mask uh, when I'm not uh, up here because uh, my wife had COVID this week. Not very bad. She's we've both had it before and. Uh, we're both fully vaccinated, and she but she did test positive about four days ago, so um, I've been sleeping in the basement and I did my test this morning, and I'm negative, so I think I'm safe um, but uh, but that's why if you if you're wondering why isn't debbie here and why is he walking around with his mask on that's that's why. Um, yeah, thanks very much for that kind uh, introduction. Uh, we really do appreciate the partnership of Westgate church over, uh, over many, many years, 25 plus, plus. Um, and uh, we're, we're just so thankful to, to all of you. Um, our theme verse for the missions conference this year comes from Acts uh, chapter 13, where, where it, uh, this is Paul and Barnabas speaking to the God-fearing uh, people and the Jewish people of Pisidian Antioch in Asia Minor. They're on their first missionary journey and they're actually quoting from Isaiah chapter 49 verse 6 and applying it to themselves. For this is what the Lord commanded us. I have made you a light to the nations that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Father God, uh, good morning. We thank you for uh, this time, we thank you that you have uh, called us to be a light to the nations and to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That you have um, done a work in us and that it doesn't stop with us, that it's meant to spread far and wide. And we know that there are hindrances to that process, and we, I just wanna pray that you open up all of our hearts this morning to see what some of those hindrances might be and how we can open the way for you to flow through us uh, and spread out from us just like yeast uh, does in in, uh, in dough. And uh, we love you, Lord. We just ask that you would uh, make your word real in our lives this morning. Amen. Uh, last year, I read a book by Eugene Peterson called Christ Plays in 10,000 Places. Uh, I highly recommend it, by the way. But in a section about the kingdom of God, Peterson closes a chapter about the book of Acts with an interesting observation about the very last word in the last chapter of the book of Acts. Uh, Luke doesn't close with any sort of final greeting. He doesn't sign off. He doesn't... uh, He doesn't really wrap up the book. He just closes with a couple sentences about Paul's two-year house imprisonment in Rome. Uh, You know, as, as we heard the reading, he stayed there two whole years in his own rented house and was welcoming all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and unhindered, That last word, unhindered, is the Greek word akaloutos. Here are a few sentences from Peterson's chapter, and I quote, Acts concludes with the teasing final word akaloutos, or unhindered. Akaloutos suggests a wide open field for the holy community in a wide open world. But Paul is in Rome, chained to a Roman soldier assigned to keep watch over him. Paul is forcibly confined to his lodging and then, as we heard in the scripture, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ openly and unhindered. Unhindered? Is this irony? Paul, immobilized by Roman chains, doesn't seem like a promising strategy for accomplishing the salvation of the world that was forecast when Jesus told the incipient community, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses to the end of the earth, Acts 1.8. Or is unhindered Luke's carefully chosen final word for the means by which the Holy Spirit accomplishes the formation of the kingdom in this world? I felt this was a good place for us to start this morning. That last verse of Acts kind of gives us a bit of an outline as we begin to think and pray about what it means to be a light to the nations, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and unhindered. I'm going to spend most of my short time this morning focusing on the kingdom of God. God has communicated to us many truths about his kingdom uh, in, in in the word, in the, in the Bible. But most of these things are not communicated as uh, truths like uh, statements of fact or doctrines. They're communicated in pictures or images or parables. So I want to share three pictures that I think meaningfully tell us how we can best be vessels of God's kingdom. A seed and yeast and the bride of Christ. So we're gonna go through these three pictures, the seed, the yeast, and the bride of Christ, and talk a little bit about how those apply to us. So for the seed, I'll share from uh, John chapter 12. Jesus, it's the last week before Jesus' death. He's beginning to proclaim his death to the people. He's predicting it rather openly. And he says, starting in verse 23, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single seed. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Our part to play in God's kingdom begins with sacrifice. Everything about our human nature is focused from day one. If you think about our instincts, we're just focused on self-preservation, on, on uh, even self-promotion. That's what ourselves want to do. But for the gospel to go forth akaloutos, without hindrance from us, the first step is the willingness to lay aside ourselves, to lay aside our ideas, Our agendas, our plans, our approaches, and and Jesus uses the seed to illustrate that. If the seed says, I want to stay a seed, well, then it just sits there and eventually gets moldy, right? So we have to be willing to to die to that image of me as me, myself, that I know. We have to be willing to die to that, to offer ourselves as living sacrifices to which God Which is our reasonable service of worship. Um, I can just share, as somebody who's been through the missionary life uh, for quite a few years now, you know, we think of that initial dying to self as being sort of part of an initial call to serving in in missions or serving uh, the Lord in some way that you set aside your own plans, your dreams and you make a decision to, to go somewhere else or do something different. But I'll tell you that this opportunity to die to oneself, it's not, just, it's not a one-time decision that you make. It happens over and over and over again in life. Um, in 1995, we went to Liberia. We had a big plan. We had uh, a plan for a four-year term and a one-year furlough. Uh, we had packed a container with. Uh, all our appliances and all our belongings, and we shipped them over there. Well, one year later, the Civil War uh, kind of blew up in Liberia, and we had to be evacuated, and all our plans were torn up in little shreds on the ground, and we had to let that go, and sort of start over and say, okay, God, uh, it's not gonna look the way we thought it was gonna look, how's it gonna look? Uh, The same thing happened again in 2013, when we went back to Liberia and I had this big plan to start a family medicine residency program. Uh, well, God had other plans as some of you are aware. Uh, we had a little uh, Ebola interruption in there. and um, But God, obviously that was all part of God's plan, but it involved setting aside our plans and embracing his plans. The second picture is that of the yeast. As we heard, uh, read, Uh, for us already, but I think it's good to let this one really sink into our hearts. So I'm going to read it again. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into three large batches of flour until all the dough was leavened. Think of this woman kneading her dough to make bread. Just working, working that dough to make bread. What is Jesus really trying to teach us about the kingdom of God? The important critical work of God's kingdom is quiet. It's invisible. It's organic. It requires contact and work and sweat. It might be messy. And when the conditions are right, it's utterly unstoppable. It's exponential. Think about yeast. Once you've got it all mixed in there, what do you have to do next? Nothing. It just happens. The the bread rises. Paul does lay it out for us in more prosaic terms in in 2 Timothy 2.2 when he exhorted Timothy, What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, proclaim to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Right? And they'll teach two friends. And they'll teach two friends. And they'll teach two friends. You get the idea. One of the hindrances, I think, that we sometimes have uh, with God's work is we're trying to figure out a complicated, uh, special 12-point strategy that's going to work to make God's word spread uh, all over the place. But God wants to keep the formula Rather simple, I think. Keep the focus on Jesus. Teach what he taught. Teach his ways and his approaches. Not only the the words that he spoke, but the way he ministered. Teach that. Do it one-on-one. Do it in small groups. The structures and outlines and the details may vary from place to place in different people groups and with different cultures. It may be more of an oral approach to it, oral teaching, oral storying. It may be more uh, academic-ish with a, with a syllabus and an outline and, and tests at the end of the, the course. Uh, it depends where you are and what your situation is. But we must always be teaching those we teach to teach others. We must be always teaching it in such a way that we're saying, I'm not just teaching you this, but I want you to be able to teach others Uh, then it spreads like yeast. We have to stay humble. Yeast is not proud. Yeast does not ask to be noticed. It's invisible and it's active and it works through contact. We have to be in relationship with others to be yeasty. Another thing we notice about yeast about this parable about the yeast is the woman. It says she kneaded and kneaded until the yeast had worked its way through all of the flour. And it says three measures in in the translation that I shared, but some commenters estimate this to be 50 to 60 pounds of flour. This was not a small quantity of flour that she was working on. Uh, She probably had to do this kneading for quite a long time. And this is a reminder to us about the need to keep working until every people group has received the witness about Christ. 90% of missionaries are working among reached groups, and only 10% are working among the one-third of the world's population, which is still completely unreached. But the character, this this parable is just trying to pull us, you know, magnetically we tend to go where it's easy and where it's productive and where, you know, it just works that way. I'm not saying that anybody is committing a a sin by working where they're working. We're working in a country that's largely reached. But this is just a reminder to us that we don't rest until the gospel has made it into every corner of the world. That this is the character of God's kingdom that the the barriers, the cultural barriers, the language barriers, the political boundaries, the risks, those things must be overcome through prayer, through mobilizing, through going, through effort. And so the yeast is there to remind us of invisible exponential growth and of the need to be persistent. The third illustration we have is that, uh, (coughs) is about the church and how He portrays the church in relationship to Christ. There are, of course, many illustrations of the church. We have the flock with its shepherd. We have the body with the head, with Christ as the head. Uh, Sometimes the church is referred to as a building, uh, being built out of building blocks. But the the illustration I want to share this morning is that of the church as the bride of Christ. and my wife. Um, So, you know, we know that God portrays himself as a lover and a husband of his people. Going all the way back to the Old Testament, we know from the book of Hosea, where he portrays Israel as an unfaithful spouse and him as a forgiving, loving, pursuing, faithful husband to to his people. Jesus in the gospel, in the gospels several times, calls himself the groom. And in John 14, that very well-known passage, um, Jesus is actually using the language of a suitor talking to his fiance uh, in that culture, in that time, when he says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told, told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and when I return, I will take you to be with me. That's the, the language that a a young man would use to his to the woman he he hopes will agree to become his wife, and finally, of course, uh, we're familiar perhaps with Paul's words in Ephesians five, where he compares that the relationship of Christ and the church to the relationship of husband and wife. So this is really a wonderful image and a picture for us this morning, as we think about our role as a light to the nations, what does it mean to be the bride of Christ? You know, the Lord desires to see every people on earth hearing about the selfless sacrificial love of Christ and knowing him personally. God's love is passionate. It's single-minded, just like a man who's obsessed with a certain person who he wants to become his life partner. God's love is pure and selfless, and his desire is to draw the nations to himself. And we get to be partners with him in that endeavor, even as a wife is the partner of her husband in whatever they do together as a family. And as I considered this picture, I found one aspect most enlightening and and surprising. You know, in the relationship between a husband and a wife, When they want to have a family to have a house full of children uh, even hope they're hoping for maybe generations you know grandchildren and so forth but who's the partner who who's the partner who plays the kind of more visible role in that well it's it's the wife right the husband doesn't grow or change it's the wife who you know, who experiences the pregnancy. It's the wife who has to change, whose whole life gets turned upside down and has to change everything that she had planned in order to now nurture this new life within her. Uh, it's the wife who feels all those discomforts, discomforts, the sweat, the, the nothing fits anymore, all those things. That, that she has to go through. And then she has to go through pain to bring forth this new life. She has to go through excruciating pain. So in this same way, while we know that God is the author of the new life in, in new believers, and we know that God is the one who grows churches, and that's in this same way though, God gives us both the good side, the privilege, and the the thrill of getting to see that new life, of being midwives, if what you will, of seeing new life come in, come in, but we also, it's sometimes painful, and it's certainly stressful, and we have to make adjustments in order to be a part of it. So, uh, you know, and we see that just like. A mother cares for her young child. That has to be our attitude of nurturing and feeding those who are new in the faith. Well, what's our takeaway from this image that God has given us of that we are the bride of Christ? Well, I, again, I just think this is something I could go, I think, and spend a whole day in the, uh, out in the woods somewhere just thinking and noodling about trying to figure out, okay, how's this really apply to my spiritual life? Um, But you know, as I think about it, God's spirit is in us, his resurrection life is in us, and among us, and we have to be ready to receive that seed of what God is doing, what his priorities are, what his inspiration is, and then feed and grow that impulse that move of his spirit until it bears fruit. When we're collectively the bride of Christ, it means that all of us are involved in feeding and nurturing the invisible growth of the kingdom of God among us. And it means that we get to give birth to that which God has accomplished in us and through us. So all of us are involved in some way in that process of training and discipling and encouraging people in their walk with God. Now, when it comes to missions, um, there's going to be a little more, you know, uh, differentiation in the different roles. You're going to have some people whose main role is praying, some people whose main role is encouraging, some people whose, whose main role is practical. They're helping those missionaries get their stuff packed up. And and they're helping host those missionaries when they're home on home assignment. Um, You know, some people are uh, providing financial support. Some people are providing, uh, some people are mobilizing, are doing the work of going around and proclaiming this need and discipling people into a place where they're ready to go. Some who go will stay in the local area and be focused on unreached people right here within our midst because the way the world is now and people travel everywhere there's there's people groups accessible to us right here in our local area and then some will go to other parts of the world to um, to reach out and we know that when we fulfill our role as the bride of Christ that God will be glorified when there are people from every tribe and nation and tongue praising him together in the heavenly throne room and we get to be part of giving birth to the fulfillment of that vision and so we've talked about three pictures God gives us of his kingdom at work in us and through us in the world the seed the yeast and the bride of Christ the seed stands for sacrifice the yeast stands for exponential growth and for not giving up until the work is done. And then the bride of Christ tells us about our need to kind of embrace and incubate this kingdom work until it it comes to fruition uh, in us and through us. Luke goes on to tell us at the end of the book of Acts that Paul was teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and I I bring this part up mainly just to focus, to remind us that the kingdom of God is never about, it's not about the church primarily, it's not about us primarily, it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about uh, the historic truth and the teaching of our faith. It's about the door Jesus has opened with his sacrifice for each one of us to know him personally and be born again into a new life with God. And finally, I want to come back to that last word, akolutos or unhindered, without hindrance. Let's think a bit about the history of the church in that first century. After Paul's two years under house arrest, there's evidence from his later letters like 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy that he was released and had another period of ministry, strengthening the churches around the Aegean Sea. But finally, in about '84 I mean 64 sorry, in about 64 a d there was a great fire in Rome <clears> that burned over two thirds of the city, and somehow rumor had it that Emperor Nero was to blame for this fire. so instead of taking that blame, he shifted it and blamed the Christians and said the Christians were to blame for the fire and this Kind of was the spark that led to the first great persecution of Christians. Thousands of Christians were martyred, uh, you know, all over—not only in Rome but all over the Roman Empire. Uh, this is the persecution that led to the deaths of both Peter and Paul uh, in Rome. So that's sort of the seed that then starts. Then, then, then the gospel starts to spread even more and gradually grow from there. But you know, this is, this is unhindered, right? So this makes me think that God had Luke put that word without hindrance there to make us think, what are the hindrances in my life that might prevent the kingdom of God from growing? Because obviously he's not just talking about circumstances. He's not talking about circumstantial hindrances. So what are the things that I can do to open up my life for the kingdom of God to spread unhindered? You know, I want you to step back with me for a minute and just let's look at the history all the way from then, from 64 AD and the great fire in Rome up till now. Look at the panorama of history for a moment and think, let's, you know, when we see how God has continued to faithfully call people from every people and language from every continent to himself over the centuries. And we see that he is now using those people who were just a generation or two, were unreached themselves and were mission fields, are now sending out missionaries to reach other places. We have, Sim has missionaries from Ethiopia going to India. We have missionaries from South America going to countries in Africa. you know, the, the, God is just continually multiplying this uh, effort to get the kingdom into every corner of his world. Um, <clears throat> and when we think about that, we can remember that, again, first of all, this is Christ's work, first and foremost, and then we can thank God that he invites us to take part in it. So as we close our time now in prayer, I just want us to Again, ask God, let's ask God to identify in our own lives. Are there hindrances that are preventing his kingdom from reigning in our hearts, in our families, in our church, in our church, in our community? So let us pray together. Father God, may you fulfill your promise given through the apostle Matthew that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Lord, we look forward to the return of your Son in person, in bodily form, to take us home, to be in your presence forever. And Lord, until then, make us a faithful bride of Christ. Fill us, Lord, fill us with the oil of the Holy Spirit, and keep our lamps burning bright until that day comes, amen.